Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the All Women Sports Podcast. I have gotten a treat for you guys. We are going to be having our very first interview with Becky Morgan, who um, who covers Racing Louisville FC. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Becky Morgan. I um write primarily about racing Louisville FC for the beautiful game network. Uh, I do write occasionally about other NWSL teams, but racing Louisville is absolutely, I think unquestionably my focus. Yeah. So can you please tell me about yourself? Sure. Um, like almost everybody that covers women's soccer, uh, I am not a journalist. I am doing this as an addition to my regular job. I don't get paid for it or anything. Um, you know, I'm just a, a content creator who's passionate about my club and passionate about women's soccer and doing what I can to amplify it. Uh, I am a librarian and assistant professor at the University of Kentucky. Uh, oh, so wow. that's, that's my day job. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I've actually just switched here. I used to live in Louisville uh, until literally a week ago. I moved last Sunday. Um, and now I'm in Lexington, which is that an hour away. So that really should not impede me from going to any games, but it will be an adjustment. So that's, that's me. So when did, I know you mentioned that you write about racing Louisville on the side. So when did you know you wanted to write about the NWSL or if you focus on other sports leagues and sports? So it's, it's kind of funny. I never thought I would be writing or doing any of this at all. Um, I have a friend named Benton, Benton Newman, and he has a website for Louisville City, which is the men's USL team in town. And he has a website called VamosMorados.com. I have to give him a plug. And he's also very passionate about racing and had been covering racing on the Beautiful Game Network and then was just overloaded and didn't have enough time. So he just put a call out to people and said, does anybody want to do this? Does anybody want to take over writing? And I put myself out in a limb, never, I had no idea how people started doing this, how they, they started getting involved. And I just volunteered to do it, gave a writing sample to the editor of Beautiful Game Network and literally that week started writing about racing. Um, so it really, I, I guess I knew I wanted to write about sports when the opportunity was presented to me, but I do want to bring up if I can, that, I mean, that at least in NWSL, I don't really know about other leagues, but at least in the NWSL, you know, most of the teams are very excited to have people write about them and support them. And so if you contact you know, the media officer and talk to people involved in the club, chances are, you know, you will get some form of media credentials and get access to interview players and get access at least to the post-game and, and potentially pre-game interviews. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of, it's a big time commitment, but if it's something you're passionate about, really consider putting yourself out there, even if it's just your own blog that you're doing yourself or your own podcast that you're starting. It, it, there are so many chances for more people to get involved in this. And I know there's so many people who are passionate, who are interested and just don't really know how to start. Really just contact your team and see what they say. And you might be surprised with how far you end up getting.
Oh, wow. That's so cool. So these last two few weeks have been a hard one in the NWSL with, I put in Paul Riley in the questions, but I want to bring up Richie Burke Mm -hmm. too. I, when I first saw it, I, you know, Rory Dames coaches for Chicago and I literally thought Richie was also Rory at (laughs) first. And then I was like, oh no, wrong coach, wrong name. So if I, I just covered the sell the Steve, sell the team Steve episode in my last one, Mm -hmm. but just to give a recap, Richie Burke was, I said his name right, right? Yes, it is Richie Burke. Okay, I might, I might just double check with you, but basically was accused of mistreating players, Mm -hmm. to put it nicely, and the Washington spirit had hand, has been handling mess, uh, messy, basically, and then Paul Riley was just accused of I'm gonna put it lightly because I don't know if little kids will be listening to this so Paul Riley was also accused of mistreating players and doing doing the unthinkable and the last thing I wanted to hear and you wanted to hear so when you saw that what was your reaction to it and what do you think because we're having all this backlash towards the league, like I've been speaking out, fellow podcasters too, what do you think needs to be done by the NWSL now that Lisa uh, resigned and Paul got fired? So my first reaction to everything was with Richie, it wasn't really that much surprise considering he had had allegations in the past and oh he has yeah when he was first hired um it was someone had tried to write and expose the fact that he had used homophobic language when as a youth coach and had been emotionally cruel let's just say that yeah um to other players but he was friends and the former coach of the current controlling owner's daughter so he was hired into this position so it wasn't too it's always horribly disappointing and awful when you hear this stuff happens but this wasn't a case that was particularly surprising unfortunately and then you you're mentioning Richie Burke and and um and Paul Riley I'm also going to mention Christy Holly who was racing Louisville's coach and while we don't know exactly what happened there we know he was let go for cause which means that there was bad enough misconduct that he was fully terminated and um that was also unfortunately not a huge surprise because there had been rumors about him for a while but i am glad that racing handled it in a way that at least the players have said they're happy with with paul riley i i was surprised and the horrible thing is that when i got the alert it was very early on thursday the athletic notification pop banner popped up on my phone and said you know the a a coach in the nwsl has been accused of these horrible things i went through my head like four coaches and i didn't even come up with paul riley not because i necessarily expected them to do it but i was like oh is this going to be about christy holly is this going to be more about richie burke is this going to be about this person 
I mean, it just shows that the state the league is in and how often these predators have been allowed to, and I mean, I don't even want to necessarily categorize everybody as a predator. These abusers, let's put it that way. These yeah. people that are mis, yeah. mis, that mistreat others have been able to thrive or at least exist in the league for a long time. It is really depressing. But to the second part of your question, as horrible as it is, and I don't think this is the end of hearing horrible things, that by a long shot, I am deeply relieved that it is coming out. And more than that, that the players are being heard and being supported. You know, it really does feel like we're in a transformational moment. And I don't feel like we're ever going to go back to the silence and the acceptance that we were at before. It's going to be very bumpy for the league, but it's very good. And then in terms of what NWSL can do, I mean, I don't want to make it sound too easy because I don't know what red tape stuff or exactly what's going on. But honestly, I mean, if if they want to make it better, then listen to the Players Association. The Players Association has come up with some very straightforward things, including investigations of every team, including San Diego and Angel City that haven't even started yet. And if, if teams have nothing to hide, then they should have absolutely nothing to fear from these investigations. And if they uncover someone who is bad or problematic, well, then shouldn't that be a good thing? That means you can address it. So the NWSL's way forward is, is to give the players the power that they have deserved from the beginning and to give them a seat at the table in terms of, of league leadership and to submit to these investigations and I mean, just be better. Uh, it, it, you can't be much worse. So, I mean, be better. And you took the words right out of my mouth. That's what I was feeling. And the only thing, um, if younger kids are listening to this and are questioning what was going on, let's just say Richie Burke, Paul Riley, of course, you, we don't know what's gone on with the former racing Louisville coach. It is disgusting behavior and behavior that never should have been tolerated in the first place. And And, cover it up. And cover it up. Yeah. And I did post this in a tweet a few days ago is I'm a former soccer player myself. I played in middle school and the fact that I'm seeing like these these players speak out like Kaylee High tweeted about the two survivors Alex Morgan saying we reported Paul Riley before I mean how can I not I'm I'm very protective of the players now of course there's I can't just go to Chicago go to the headquarters saying you need to listen But I tweeted out that if there's any players on like Racing Louisville, Chicago, that have any stories of abuse that they're too afraid to bring up to the NWSL, they are more than welcome to come on the All Women Sports podcast. That's great. I I would rather, it's not good to stay silent about things and because then it'll just eat you up alive if you reach it if you don't speak about it more so I would rather them come speak to me I probably wouldn't say a word because I care more about the players than 
than me speaking to them, then come on, this is a judgment-free zone. Zone. And if, if the fans can hear what's been going on, the more the fans will know really how to help and how to support all these players. I, I agree that there needs to be more channels for people to feel comfortable speaking at. I am in, encouraged by the fact that there are multiple anonymous reporting, uh, I don't know how, what mechanisms, I guess, for lack of a better term, in place. Uh, now some teams have created them themselves. There are a couple in the league now, and then there's some from like set up from US soccer and a few other places. So, I mean, I, I hope people at least feel that they can be heard, but, you know, in the case of Racing Louisville, they've made it very clear that the people involved with whatever happened don't want to speak. They want to be protected. And we also need to give people that space too. Yeah. I think that there's a sense of, I'm not talking about what your request is. I mean, I think that's wonderful, but I also think it's, it's a fandom as a whole. There's such a sense that we expect to hear everything. We want we want to know all the dirt so we can get the full picture. And in some cases, we don't want to risk re-traumatizing people that have been traumatized. And you know, we have to respect the, the boundaries people put in place. And so it's really walking a fine line. So the best that I think everybody can do is just listen, listen, listen. And like you, you said in your offering, be opening, be open to listen, to say that we are all here to listen, whatever you want to say, whether you want to tell us that you don't want to speak or whether you want to tell us something that's happened to you, or you just want to vent your anger that we're just all here to listen and amplify you. When I talked Mm -hmm. to Savannah McCaskill and Michelle Betos uh, at the press conference after not this game, the game against North Carolina, which was the first game back after they had been postponed, they all said, I asked them, what, what can fans do? You know, many fans feel very, very hopeless. What, or we don't know what to do. Like, what's best for you? And she said, Betos said, keep coming to games. Your support means the world to us. And then on top of that, you know, just amplify your message, the banners, the signs, the, the tweets, everything is making the message bigger and getting more attention. And, and that's what they need more than anything. So Anything that we can do, especially you and me as content creators, I think, um, you know, to amplify their message and to to give them as many places and chances to to be heard is is the best thing that can be done right now. And I could even add in there real quick, if they want to talk to me, but don't want it necessarily put on the podcast, then I won't record. I'll just listen because it's most it's most important to to vent to someone who won't necessarily know what's that like to go through but I vented to my friends with multiple things and it'll make you feel a whole lot better yeah it can eat you alive when it just when you're holding it in so yeah and I agree and I mean one thing that the club or the club I'm saying the club I'm so used to talking about racing Louisville the league you know, hasn't mandated, but has they at least have been gotten they've gotten better with in the past few years. I mean, there's not psychologists and sports psychologists with every team. In, in almost every other league in the world, there's multiple psychologists and sports psychologists and counselors and all there for for players to talk through some of this stuff anonymously and in a safe space. And 
I don't think every team in the NWSL has a sports psychologist. Just from asking, I know Racing Louisville has at least one. Um, and I know most of the big teams, I know Portland, I'm pretty sure Chicago does and Orlando, but I don't know if everybody does, or at least one that's like truly there on contract as opposed to someone they just like bring in occasionally if someone needs it, which is not the same relationship at all. You know, these are the kind of professional supports that these professional people need, you know, licensed counselors and, and licensed psychologists supporting them. So hopefully as the league becomes better and more professional, this can start being part of the norm, you know, in, in these clubs. Yeah. So you actually touched on my next question in the last question, but as you mentioned, the NWSL Players Association came out with a series of demands that they wanted to see the league follow, basically. Um, What do you think about them? about them and do you think that NWSL doesn't have a choice but to follow what the players association is asking them to do no I don't think they have a choice because the players have shown that to down to every last player they're united in this it's not like some are iffy about it and some are you know, with it, when, when people met in the center circles and put their arms around there, it was every single player, including bench players, including players that were injured and had not even dressed for the game, you know, they all stood there. They are 100% united. So I have no doubt that they would strike or do something. And if, if their demands aren't met, um, And I would hope the league would realize that it certainly seems to me that 100% of the fan base is also behind the players. So I don't think they have much choice. And I don't think the things they're asking are that outlandish. I mean, I can, I do think that there is going to be some negotiation. I don't think that we're going to see them get every single thing that they ask there, at least to the extent. So like the step back thing that they're asking where anybody who's involved in the hiring of someone who has now been investigated for abuse, you know, they need to step back voluntarily. They might say, okay, you know, we'll negotiate the people in each club, but we can't run with so-and-so doesn't, but we submit to them being investigated, even if they're not stepping back. But in egregious cases, yes, some people will step back. I think club by club, there's going to be some negotiation there, but in, I can't see what good it will do them to refuse all being investigated because if you refuse it, then you look like you have something to hide and then you lose even more faith from your fan base and your players. So you kind of have to, unless if you really have some horrible stuff and you think you can block it, I don't see how they can not, not agree with this. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know if all the clubs, uh, see, we just, we still don't know how things are being negotiated. Is all, are all the clubs negoci- negotiating with the, the players association together? So is there like a league of clubs and then a league of players that are all at the table or is the, the players association working with each team individually? So if they're working as like two units sitting down at the table together, like the, the clubs and then the, the players, then I do think that 
there's a good chance there will be better negotiation and some kind of compromise will be released, but they uh, achieved, but they have to do it soon because the deadline was October 30th. Um, at the at the end of the day, whatever I mean, that big time means that's still only three days away. So hopefully, hopefully there's progress being made there. Yeah, I think. And did you see that the Portland Thorns GM, also the Portland Timbers? I think that's yes. their professional men's league step. Like they put him on administrative leave. <laughs> Which people are still upset about because he he's always been someone who handled both the, the thorns and the timbers. And that always annoyed Portland fans because they felt that they deserved a full-time GM. You know, you shouldn't have someone who's, who's straddling both teams, teams when they clearly will favor one over the other. And so he hasn't been removed from his timbers work. He's just been removed from the thorns. So he basically is still doing his job and has had no repercussions. He just has less work now. So I, while it's good that he has stepped away from the thorns, because I think that needed to happen, um, I still think it was a, a half measure. I don't, I don't think it was fully in good faith, you know, dealing with something. I mean, their players have been, been calling for him to get fired. And so it's something that I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the Portland Thorns players say this is not anywhere near enough. Yeah, and then I do want to bring back the Washington spirit real mm-hmm. quick because as when we saw what the consequences for Richie Burke were was for the club, the they're not allowed to be the govern being in the governing. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? Some of the stuff they said I'm I don't totally about. I don't totally understand it and I don't know if maybe people smarter than me who know more about the league and have followed how it was governed. I've been an NWSL fan for years, but I just watched teams and games. I never really paid attention to how it was run or, or, you know, how the sausage got made. So this is all pretty new to me. I don't, clearly there's a board of governors that is the, I I think representatives from the ownership group who all basically control the league matters they're like the you know whatever board would be running any corporation essentially and so washington spirit is currently banned from participating in that so everybody else could come up with you know harsh sanctions against the washington spirit and they would have nothing to say they could make decisions that the washington spirit absolutely hates and they would have no say so they've kind of been kneecapped from having any any power in oversight of the league um do you and one of the things the players association wants is they want to have a seat at that table because the players it's currently all owners and ownership there's there's no player representation or anything and so that's something that really needs to happen um i have no idea with lisa baird leaving what is still happening with that with the washington spirit being on the governance council i'm assuming they're still not because it was indefinite but i mean i just i think that there are more unanswered questions than there are answered questions right now and i know you don't really understand most of the stuff of like the board of governors but do you think that was a smart part on the nwsl to take to take their power away basically 
from the spirit I from I, the spirit I do because I do so were you paying attention I mean or your viewers might not I'll give a little background um the season before this one Utah was forced to sell their team from their yeah, owner being making very inappropriate comments and that's all I'll say about that um a spectrum of inappropriate comments oh I didn't know that's why he was forced to sell that's what he was forced to sell Um, I I knew the former owner was in a lot of controversies because he's I think he owned the real Salt Lake or the all the the Salt Lake teams the Monarchs real Salt Lake and and um now KCNWSL yes what is now and then his so his team was sold the NWSL team at least was I don't think the other two were but they're looking for people to buy them still but it was sold to people in Kansas City who basically just took the franchise and then plopped it down in Kansas City and I have to say that I've liked everything I've seen from the Kansas City ownership I think that they seem like they're very good earnest supported people who have a, a strong interest in making the league better yeah. but and I do want to say like as you mentioned there are a lot of owners uh, of the Kansas City franchise and if any of my uh, listeners are wondering who's there who's the owner I don't know of the other two but Brittany Matthews who is yes Patrick Mahomes fiance is part owner and she was also a soccer player herself yes. which is so, so important so I want to add that in there real yeah. quick that case KCNWSL has a former soccer player that's I would think she would probably be leading a lot of the stuff because because she would be saying Brittany would be saying I should probably use her name um oh we need to do this for the players we need to have this person here and I think Chicago's doing a great job that's my that's my main team but for these clubs that don't necessarily understand, I think she would need to go talk to them saying, this is who you need to have on your staff. I think every team needs to have former NWSL or at least women's soccer players somewhere, somewhere in the hierarchy, the leadership hierarchy. Racing Louisville didn't and doesn't. And I do think that that's why they stumbled into the problem they did. I've gotten to know, I'm obviously biased. I'll put that out there. I'm obviously biased to Racing Louisville because I obviously support them. And in my time of of writing for them, I've gotten to know a lot of people in the club. And I've always gotten the impression that they truly want what is best for the players in the club, but they have no awareness or they had no awareness. They certainly do now of women's soccer and how different the culture is and how deep many of the problems were uh they had a very success they have a very successful men's team and thought like oh well we'll just do the same thing with women and it's not that simple and so they ended up hiring a coach that you know had rumors about him but nothing solid and ended up running into problems and if they had had someone there with just better awareness of the history of women's soccer and what had was truly happening behind the scenes I think they could have avoided some heartache at the same time they did act very fast I think they're aware as I've been talking to more people of 
the blind spots they have. And also, I mean, most critically, they actually have players now. When they hired their coach, there were obviously no players. They have players with very strong opinions. And I do truly believe that they're listening to them and will listen to them and will do everything in their power not to repeat the mistake they made. But, you know, in KC's case, I think you're going to see that they're going to, I mean, bad apples can always find their way in, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's how you deal with them that is most critical. But I do think in terms of player treatment, the facilities they need, the kind of support that they need, the kind of, you know, just unspoken cultural things, you know, Brittany is going to be able to provide that in KC in a way that no, and from the no position of such high power as an owner that, you know, most teams don't have anything like that. Angel City coming in has a lot of former players who will have that. Um, I can't remember if any of San Diego. And they, and they have a UCLA soccer coach as uh, Angel City does. Oh, that's right. I mean, as, as a, I forgot her name. So as a partial owner, yeah, as a partial owner. So even for them on a coaching standpoint, she'll know like what kind of coach they need, what, what they need. She can even bring in some stuff that they can say like UCLA does this, this is, although they're professional league, they, they probably need to listen to the coach. Oh, I, I agree. Most of all. I agree in terms of, you know, how to treat your players, the type of philosophy and mentality that you want to set for your club, you know, often comes from the coach. So making sure that you understand that and get the right person to go and, and begin with. Yeah, that's all very important. So the trend that has been coming with, you know, former players getting involved in, in the creation and the development of these teams is only going to be positive for the league. Mm-hmm. and uh the next question is as a writer i don't know if you wrote about the paul riley story or the richie burke but uh how do you find the balance of expressing your personal feelings about it but also trying to stay professionally on the topic that's a really that's a really interesting question. I have not written that much about Paul Riley or Richie Burke, but I have written about Christy Holly. Um, and through the lens, even though we still don't know what happened with Christy Holly, we still know something bad happened, or else he wouldn't have been terminated. So through that lens of just another coach, and then Fred Vincidi from um, or uh, I almost said Orlando from. Um, <laughs> from the rain, from Seattle, Tacoma, um, you know, he was let go. And then it came out more recently that it was also because he was making um, inappropriate comments about players' weights and stuff like that, which we had already known that he was doing stuff like that. Lindsey Horan, one of the most powerful, well-known soccer players in the world, had said that he was to the level that she considered abusive and to the point of almost making her have an eating disorder. And yet he was still hired by the rain. And shock of all shocks he said the same stuff to other players the good news is he got fired but they also didn't explode disclose that that was the reason when he was fired so i mean it again it's good that these people are are getting fired we still need more transparency or at least transparency on why they're not being transparent and we just need 
to just not hire these people. I mean, I said before, I know I'm not answering your question. I will get to it in a second. Oh, I, oh no. I, 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 I like, I like how we're adding different comments about other teams just so the listeners get a general understanding of the, of the league, great. <laughs> of the problems. Well, I mean, it's, it's good that these people are being being pushed out but I mean they they shouldn't have been hired in the first place and I mean I said in one of my articles when right when Christy Halley was fired why is it hard to understand that it would be better to hire a former player maybe with no coaching experience or limited coaching experience maybe as an assistant coach for a few years maybe obviously would have all their licenses and have them just be a bad coach who doesn't isn't a successful tactician and fire them for that reason or separate from them don't even fire just like don't renew the contract then to have someone who could potentially be abusive like I just don't understand why there's less there's not this interest in trying to promote players who are getting their licenses like Becca Moros Amy Lepible I can never remember her name I just butchered it I'm so sorry Amy I apologize I believe Nikki Washington also has her her licenses you know, and then a lot of these players, former players end up going to college and they get paid a lot better and good for them. But then, you know, the league, the professional top tier league is, is losing this potential talent in coaching. And so I do, I do hope that we're going to start seeing a sea change of that. But to your, to your question, it, it can be hard because, you know, I wouldn't be writing about my team and the league in general if I wasn't passionate about it and so you know I'm writing drafts and some of them are like gosh darn it we're worse language than that but I'll be polite you know why did you do this god it's so frustrating and then you take it back and then it's like okay this could have been thought out better and so you know I, I just try and be as honest as possible I'm not yeah, I, I try and be as factual. And I, if I'm going to make a point or a statement, I will make sure I have citations and links to back it up to show that I'm not just do it, saying something emotionally without any history. And so that pulls me, pulls me back and, and keeps me focused on, you know, less my emotions and more like, what do we actually know? But I mean, this is emotional stuff and this is angry stuff. And so, you know, and when I'm writing an article, I will have an opinion section where I'm like, look, this is, this is what I think. This was done really badly or this was done really well or I'm relieved to hear this or I'm very upset to hear this. And so I, I think as a writer, as long as you're conscious of making it clear what is your opinion and what is fact, um, that can create the guidelines and that you need to really properly walk the line of being professional and and also giving your opinion if that makes sense yeah it does because I like to be very very honest if you listen to my last video mm -hmm. I restrained pulled back but okay. I tried not to pull back too much in my opinion because you have to like when you're talking about sell the team Steve you have to be brutally honest yes. about and I as I was uh talking or recording I was like okay is this wording better do I leave this out because I don't want to I don't want to bore my 
get my listeners bored that would be bad but at the same time like you said you have to give your honest opinion and if someone doesn't like it then either stop listening to my podcast or stop reading the articles exactly exactly I mean you're not going to please everybody Uh, a friend of mine just is about to start writing for the Portland Thorns or is thinking about it and like the one thing I told him was you you need to always write for yourself. And I think this would be the same for your podcast. Like you need, when you're doing a podcast or creating any content, you need to do what you think is important and what you want to hear. And some people won't want to hear it or won't be interested in it, but many will. And so you, you can't try and just say what you think other people want. You have to be honest and you have to be yourself. And usually if you, if you can achieve that, and it can be hard, it can be hard to find your voice, at least initially, you will eventually get to the point where you um where where you you are you you find that balance that you're looking for and you know it is hard especially when you write for a specific team because you get to know people in the team and so when you write stuff that's critical of them even if you're holding back and being nice you know you still have to go in and see them and talk to them and be like hey guys i think you messed up so let's go and have an interview now you know it it can be hard. And I don't think I said anything that horrible. And I'm also lucky in the fact that, you know, while I've said repeatedly, I do think racing has gotten criticism. I cannot tell you how relieved I am to hear that multiple players have said that they think it was handled well, at least. I mean, if they had said, no, it was botched, things are horrible. Or if I was following a team like the spirit, I don't, I don't know if I'd be able to keep writing. I, I think I would be so frustrated and upset that I would probably stop. And I have friends that are season ticket holders of the spirit and they are just they're in crisis they love the team they love the players they want to continue supporting the players but they're just just so disgusted and and so done and even some of my friends that are portland fans love the players love the, the the team and love many of the staff members but are just so frustrated and bothered by things that you know it really makes you question if you're going to put all this extra time in to write, to, to do all this. So it's, it's hard. It's hard. And I am going to keep bringing up the Washington spirit because there have been some psycho articles to put it that (laughs) way about the spirit. So did you see the article that, um, the Washington spirit group, I forgot their name um had had made a sign say sell the team steve and yes they, it was and the rose they... room collective and the spirit scott squadron it was actually the spirit yeah. squadron didn't make it but the rose room collective which is the um the uh people of color and fans of color and oh. i think lgbt like their group uh yeah they created yeah. a sell the the sign uh sell the team so, steve and you can tell the rest of it yeah and I was absolutely shocked by this article because I find most of my stuff on Twitter and I actually am on my podcast Twitter more than my personal one (laughs) but um and then the ownership group of the spirit saw it and had a security guard go to tell them like either you put it down don't show it again or you're getting kicked out and I have to, like I mentioned, I am a Chicago fan. 
And I think they also were threatened to get fines. The Red Stars group, Chicago Local 134, offered to pay the fines or something. Good for them. To help the group. And that's why I love all the clubs, but Chicago's, just like Racing Louisville, is yours. Oh, everybody (laughs) has their favorite and the club that has their heart. But what do you... Did you see the statement that they aren't doing like the banners, the drums, like all the yes. stuff? And like, it, what what do you think of that? And why do you think the Washington Spirit, or probably Steve, allowed it to get to the point where they aren't playing? Because he's an egomaniac, and I think many of these owners are egomaniacs. They bought this team just to like. And I think this is the problem with the coaches, too, who are abusive. They're egomaniacs. They're obsessed with control that they have over the players. And so they get in these positions so they can be little dictators and do whatever they want. And I think the same thing was with Steve Baldwin. He said, no, this is my team. He's like a little kid who's basically saying, I'm going to take my ball and go in. I'm not going to let any of you play with it. And more than that, like, I would rather puncture it and destroy it than let someone else play with it. Um, I think that that was a a very powerful message from the Spirit Squadron and the other SGs that they will not drum or cheer on the team because they love the players, but they're trying to do everything they can not to, not Not to to promote Steve ego. Well, not, not to, to, their silence is far louder than anything else they could do. So I mean, I think, I think that's very powerful. I think it's so disappointing that it's gotten to this point and that he won't just sell the team and, and let everybody move on and thrive. If he ever, if he actually cared about the team and the players at all, he would do that, but he clearly hasn't. Um, But this has happened elsewhere. I don't know if you saw this didn't get huge amount of traction because they corrected it so quickly, but they tried to do that in Portland too. They didn't take down every sign, but I had a couple friends who made signs that said um, fire Gavin and Merritt out. Merritt Paulson is the owner of the Portland Thorns and Gavin Wilkinson is the GM who you mentioned had to step back from his Thorns duties. And as they were walking in, they got they got pulled by security or the, the signs got taken away and they said that, no, you can't have names on them. So you could say like, we're unhappy, but you couldn't have names. So I tweeted it and then like not many people saw it because I'm not that big, but my friend Liz, who is much more known in women's soccer, tweeted it. And within like 20 minutes, the security guard tracked our friends down and gave them their signs back because they were like, oh crap, we didn't think anybody would actually notice. And I tweeted some people I knew in Racing Louisville and I said, don't you ever do this. Like no matter how big things get, don't be this dumb. And he said, I will he has no power over this but my friend who I won't name was like I I truly hope we never let it get to that point but it's it's control it's all about it's they see this all about being about them and not about the players and that's that's the biggest problem he's a self-centered human instead of caring about the players like like I do like you do like the fan base does he decides to his way or the highway Exactly. And his little bit of embarrassment. And I mean, it's, they call it the Streisand effect because Barbara Streisand had a house that she wanted to block anybody from seeing on Google maps. And then everybody paid attention to it because she tried to block it where no one would have noticed it if she hadn't. And it's that same thing. Like 
probably very few people would have noticed the sell the Steve team banner if it hadn't become this big thing where security kept going and they kept tweeting about it. You know, it's, but that, that tiny bit of insult or embarrassment was just too much, too much to bear. And so it became this huge debacle. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And so racing Louisville is a rookie franchise basically. And unfortunately they are in ninth place. What have you been impressed by them? And since they were, they aren't going to make the playoffs this year, what do they need to work on to get themselves to playoff contenders? So racing Louisville's in ninth place. That's not really surprising for any expansion team. The only other two expansion teams that have come before have basically done almost exactly as well as racing Louisville has done. So I'm not that disappointed with how they've done because that's just what kind of happens i'm actually impressed by what they've done because they don't have a superstar on their team and like when orlando started they had alex morgan and they eventually got marta and still struggled for a while so for racing louisville to do with like basically bench players and rookies to do as well as orlando and houston did with many more veteran players on their inaugural rosters i'm i'm proud with what racing's done i'm really proud of the fan culture there you know we're second in attendance um and it's only growing i heard from someone that works there that something like over 95 it may have been 97 percent of season tickets have been converted for the next year so there's going to be no drop in attendance um i think something like 4,000 season tickets were hold sold last year they think they're going to sell about 5,000 this year so that's great and that's something to be excited for um i think they have a really good core of young players i think that emily fox um Frey olsen uh addison merrick even though she's barely played because she's injured you know i think there's a lot of young players i like lauren malay a lot ebony salmon even though if she's not going to be with us forever katie lund i think is she's backup goalkeeper but she's going to be good i think we had some really good young players that just need a little more experience and to play together a little longer and then they can be something special that being said i think that we have a lot of holes and we have a lot of areas where we have no depth um i know you were going to ask this as a later question but if it's okay i'm just going to jump into them against the washington spirit yeah um i one thing i really liked in that game is that our three top draft picks for this year all did really well amina ekage taylor otto and Emily Fox all looked like professionals and they looked better than some of the seasoned players, you know, on the field. And Taylor Otto was just playing her first 90 minutes in that game. And she looked as confident and solid as any other midfielder out there. So that's fantastic. I think that those are pieces we can really build off of, but our defense, you know, we're not even playing our starting defenders because a bunch of them are injured, but even them, there's there's some weakness and just some disconnect. And at least two of the three goals that the Washington Spirit got were on our errors. And some of that is us just being a young rookie team that doesn't quite like read each other and all well. And so I, I think that that's not like catastrophic, but we need more key players. We, we need a couple more key players before I think we're really going to start clicking and being as good as I think we can be in the future. But I am confident that, you know, we have fantastic facilities. The players talk about how great the, you know, they get counseling support. They have sports psychologists. They have a really strong culture. They have really good nutrition and training. 
you know, the staff of Racing Louisville is significantly larger than most other NWSL teams. And that provides just better care and support in general, you know, when there's more people around to do more things. And so I think with that, you know, we can really build into being something special. It's just going to take time and I'm patient. I can wait a few years for us to, to live up to our potential. Yeah. And the next one we kind of went into uh, at the start of this interview, Sure. but for the NWSL's future, what do you hope as, as we've been talking about since they're making changes due to the drama do you hope they survive? Do you think, what do you think, or what do you hope for? With just the future of the NWSL or the future yeah. of racing? What, what's your hope for the future of the NWSL? My hope for the future of the NWSL is that, hmm, well, one, I mean, that we're, we're better and that the players have more power and are able to be the professional athletes at the top of their game that they should be without having to worry about all this other horrible stuff that they have enough voice that you know there's always going to be bad actors there's always going to be bad people that find their way into any organization but as long as if the mechanisms are there to report them and to remove them then you know that's that's all you can ask and that needs to be established um i mean if there are teams that are resistant to doing these investigations and truly committing to be better for the players then maybe they need to go away i mean i don't want any teams to fold but let's say like team x i'm not even going to name one site i'm not i don't think they're i don't know let's say this i don't know if there is one but if team x is very angry and doesn't knows that they have some of their buddies that could be accused of some stuff and that they're just doing they're just owning this team and having it for an ego trip or tax right off then they the t- they should go away you know, we need to be a league of owners that are truly dedicated to advancing the game and advancing things for the players. And if that causes a couple teams to fold, that that's horrible. And I feel horrible for those teams' fans, and I don't want it to happen. And hopefully new owners can just come in and, and keep things going, but better. But I, I think we've come to that point of reckoning, you know. Um, a lot of people have been talking about if the league should fold and if we should start again. And I don't know if you saw that Kayla Sharples wrote a long note saying that I'm sure you probably saw that Chicago, but she wrote a long (laughs) note saying, um, no, we don't want to burn it all down. That would make us all unemployed and it would take so long to build things up again. You know, please help us fix this. And, you know, the, the bones are there. The structure is there. We just need to, cleanse it and rip off you know the the dirt and the muck and build it back better you know we don't need to start from scratch and and that's my hope that they're able to do something like that I don't think the league should go away I don't think it should fold I, I think it can be sustained it just it needs to be so much better and I hope that the players don't go easy and and um allow too many concessions I mean obviously there's always going to be a degree of negotiation but I mean I I hope they are truly able to achieve the autonomy and the power that they deserve as a backbone as you said earlier you know we care about the players we wouldn't be fans without the players you know they're the jerseys that we're buying we're not you know as much as I love racing racing is the players 
and that's they need to have that level of importance in the running of the club uh, no, i see i keep saying club in the running of the league <laughs> i i think i knew what you meant <laughs> but okay so so what what player has really stood out to you in racing louisville is it like savannah mccaskill or any other players yeah there's actually been a lot i've really liked savannah mccaskill since she's joined us joined us she's been really great about being like the engine of the team i know that that's a, a phrase that's used all the time in louisville about her but you know she's really gone to a next level where i think she's really passionate about guiding the culture of the team and how the young players because it is so there's so many young players on on louisville um and rookies on louisville that you know she's become very passionate with the shaping of the team and 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 really taking a leadership role that i don't think she's had in the past and that's cool michelle Bados has again also you know she's someone i've known about for years and followed for years and has just gone to next level not even in terms of play but again in her dedication to shaping the team and being the captain and really you know playing her heart out in order to to demonstrate who she can be to the young players and of course yuki is a delight so i mean i don't even need to talk about yuki nagasato because everybody loves her in terms of the young players emily fox has really deeply impressed me because she came out in her very first game and looked like a professional. She did not look like a rookie who was coming from college. I think as much as anybody in the entire league, she has been the easiest transition I have seen from, from rookie to, to pro. And she's been amazing to watch. So I've really enjoyed her, but I've, I like the fact that racing Louisville doesn't have a superstar on the team. Like obviously you've heard that we drafted token Heath and Kristen press and neither of them played for us. I mean, I know some people will probably be like, oh, you're just saying that because they're not playing for you. I'm actually kind of happy they're not playing for us because our team is all mostly people of the exact same age and the exact same point of their career. And if there was a superstar that was drawing all the attention, I don't think we would have been able to see and learn so much about these young players. I don't think some of them would have been able to develop and get the same amount of time that they got on the field for better or for worse. We might be doing better in the standings, but I think in terms for building our culture, nothing against Kristen Press and Tobin Heath, by the way, they're two of my favorite players and I have countless jerseys of them. I think they're wonderful people. I just think in terms of, of building a team from scratch, it, it's actually been good for us to have all these players who are at the same points of their life. They've talked about how it's made them so close and fight for each other and play for each other much more. And, and I think that's been very positive for us, so. So I'm gonna add some more questions. Sure. So when Louisville got the news that an NWSL league was going to be there, what was the mood like? Was like everyone excited? Did everyone have mixed feelings? Is Louisville a big soccer town? Oh yeah, it was just immediate excitement um louisville and kentucky have no top tier professional teams except for racing louisville so this is the first time that yeah. since like the 70s that there has been a top tier professional team in the state and definitely in louisville so that's it that's a huge deal um lou city the men's team is by i think 
if not the most supported, very close to being the most supported team in the USL. They have a winning pedigree. They get eight to 10,000 people to their games, if not more. Um, and they started in a similar place and they have like dedicated fans, like absolute nutcase, wonderful. I mean, I like so many of them. I know so many of them, um, soccer supporters. And so when racing was added, it's, it's a very different culture than other teams. Almost every Louisville supporter was just like, yes, more soccer. This is great for us. And so our supporter fan base tends to lean more towards like the typical sports fan, you know, going out and drinking some beers and wearing their jerseys than a lot of the fan bases of other teams. Um, and there was immediate excitement. Before a single player or coach was announced, they sold 3,000 season tickets. So they, there was just an immediate interest. We have this beautiful new stadium that people were excited about. Um, and then the ownership, the ownership and the, the, the people that run uh, Loose City and Racing, Soccer Holdings is the name of the, the, the company that owns both clubs has always just been so dedicated to the community and so involved in the community. So many people involved in the team are Louisville locals. So they love the city and they love the state and they know exactly who they're working with and talking with and you, everybody knows each other. And it really does create, you know, not to be cliche, but like a family atmosphere you know like you walk around and you run into tons of people you know I found out my cat sitter was a big racing fan when I ran into her at a game um you know it's it really feels Louisville's Louisville's a city and I mean I say that as someone who grew up in Philadelphia and has lived in DC um Louisville has the feel of a city it's a small city but it has the feel of a city but it's small enough that you really get to know people and be really involved in the community and that makes it very special and I think it's an ideal market for NWSL expansions, if there are more cities around the size, a little bigger, a little smaller, doesn't matter, of Louisville that have other soccer teams and not many other pro teams, if any other pro teams, I mean, that you're going to have a captive audience that is going to be insane for it. You know, uh, Memphis, Nashville, even though I know Nashville has a football team, um, Minnesota, St. Louis has a couple teams, but that's good. Austin, you know, like there's a lot of places that I think that they should think to expand to that aren't necessarily these huge markets that have tons of other competition. So yeah, the the result, the response from Louisville was pretty much resounding excitement and it's maintained. I think everybody was pretty realistic about how racing would do and have taken it pretty well. So, and the players themselves have said that they're shocked by how much they are known and celebrities um in an interview ebony salmon who's our young forward from england uh, and has received like won all sorts of awards in england she's just been called up into the english national team she's only 20 she's going to be like one of the futures of the english team was she's asked 20? by a, i'm sorry she's 20 she's only 20 yeah was oh my gosh. yeah she's she's a baby she started playing professionally when she was 17 i think she um she was asked in England last time she was there, like, oh, well, is soccer as big in the U.S. as it is in England? And she's like, oh, my God, I get 
recognized everywhere I go. Gemma Bonner, who's the other English person, was like shocked and kind of alarmed when someone recognized her in the grocery store one of her first days there. They were like, oh, it's Gemma Bonner. Welcome to Louisville. And she was like, how the hell do you know who I am? Because, you know, they get like a thousand, two thousand, maybe max three thousand people at like their biggest games. It's women's soccer is nothing like the rest of soccer over there, even though that's very much changing. I'm really happy with what the, the WSL has done in England. But I mean, other players like McCaskill and Lauren Millay have said, no, we go out and we just get recognized and people say hi and just like, we're so happy you're here. So, I mean, they, in Louisville, they get the chance to really be the celebrities, celebrity pro athletes they should be. Yeah. And I do want to get into the Women's Cup too. Sure. But uh, was that, what was that feeling like, like the atmosphere? Did you go to the games? So I went to the first one and it was one of the best experiences of my life that I had a horrible migraine. So I watched the second one and I'm so upset that I didn't get to see it live, but. So like PSG was there from France. What was the other? Bayern from, from Germany, from the, uh, the, um, the Frauen Bundesliga and then uh, Chicago and then us and, and then Louisville. And it was. It was fun. I had some skepticism skepticism about the, the cup, and I think many people in Louisville, including some people in the ownership, did too, because it was a first-time thing. It was a pilot. It's never been done before, and it just like wasn't being promoted adequately initially, and things just seemed like they were kind of like, were they going to fall into place? Were they not? Was it going to be a mess? Was it going to be fine? And it ended up being wonderful. The atmosphere was excellent and a bunch of people came down from Chicago and we had a joint march to the match together um, from like the brewery that we always start at. And, you know, we, the Chicago was able to use when we weren't playing against each other, of course, you know, our, our stands and some of our drums and stuff like that. And we supported each other when we were playing against the European teams. And it was just a great atmosphere I was right behind the goal with friends in the supporter section like literally standing on the ledge right behind the goal during the penalty kicks in the first game and it was just bedlam I mean everybody was like hugging and jumping around and screaming so I mean like Louisville fans are like passionate about their sports so like they treated this like it was the Super Bowl and it was like a didn't even count for the NWSL, you know, and it was, it was against Chicago, but it was still just amazing. So did you see the two Europe teams play? Yes. I I saw. Yeah. What was it like to see those two powerhouses franchises? That's how uh, uh, Brian and me explained it to me. Yeah. PSG is a a powerhouse. What was it like seeing them? It was surreal. It was really surreal being like, I, I still am like, oh my goodness. And in, in, we're in Louisville and, you know, someone who is an NWSL fan being like, ah, oh, the Red Stars, we're playing against the Red Stars. Like, you know, there's, I haven't seen Alyssa Nair, but like, oh, there's Casey Kruger, there's Morgan Gutreau, like these players that I've watched for years and they're, they're right there. I'm, I'm going to watch Christy Mewis take a corner kick like 10 feet for me. That's surreal. <laughs> And then when like Baron and PSG came, it was even more surreal. It's like, what? Like these, these incredible European teams and like Marie Antoinette Cototo and, uh, oh my goodness, I could just name a thousand players just on both sides playing 
in front of us in Louisville. Like it was, it was surreal. And um, they seemed to have a really good time just talking to people behind the scenes who worked with the teams. Like they, they did a good job of setting things up like museums for them to go to and cultural events and stuff. And they, they seemed to get a real kick out of it. They went to a baseball game for the first time together and threw out the first pitch and were apparently like delighted by that. Um, I think it's interesting for them to come to a different country, a different culture. So they, they got to see what women's soccer in America looks like, but there's no baseball in France. There's no football. Like there's, I I mentioned football because it's a big sport here too. And they got to, at least one of the teams got to like warm up, like the university of Louisville men's football team, like American football. And they were like, throwing footballs like this is so funny and surreal to us like kicking balls with them I think it was Bayern that did so yeah I mean it's just like if we went to Germany and did like an Oktoberfest thing I mean not to like be too stereotypical I mean at the same time like they had went to like a bluegrass festival that's like the same as we went to like a polka festival or something like that in in Germany so yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting cultural exchange. And the way they played was so different. I mean, that's, I think, what was so interesting. They were so much more technical and so were much they more precise. More, were they laid back or more, you could say, technical or aggressive? or? No, they were, they were definitely, I don't think they were prepared for the American aggression. And I think that's the, the only reason we won. Um, they would be so focused on like making a perfect pass that like one of our players would just like bulldoze in and then like knock the ball loose and we would be able to take control. And I I still would say that like, you know, in the the game Louisville won, Bayern outplayed us moment to moment, but could not handle us in moments that we came back extra aggressively and strong. And that's why we won. Or that's how we got to uh, the kickoff that we ultimately won um yeah, it was it was interesting they play very differently than than any American team and so just having that juxtaposition was really cool and that's one of the best ways to tell people welcome to America <laughs> <laughs> and they were prepared for it I mean they know that Americans play a lot more physically that's one reason a lot of your uh, European players do want to come and play this league because it is completely different than what people are doing they think it'll make them better when they go back home um, but it was really on display during the Women's Cup, and that was cool. Yeah, so the remaining games for Racing Louisville are against Orlando and New York, New Jersey, Gotham. Mm-hmm. What are you expecting to see from the team, and what is your hope for Racing Louisville's future in the NWSL? I would love more than anything for us just to get a couple more points. If we get three more points, we will be the winning it. We'll have the most points of any franchise. franchise. Yeah. Any, any expansion franchise. And that's the dream. I don't know if that's possible. I mean, Gotham's been playing incredibly well. Orlando is playing incredibly well. Both of them have more to play for than us in terms of playoffs. But I mean, in the spirit game last night, you know, we played till the very end. Some of our best chances came at the very end. And some of the most recent goals and our biggest recent losses have come from our mistakes. So I would hope to see in these three games that we pull some of those mistakes back and learn from them. And the, if we don't win the game, at least we get some points. I don't want shutouts. Um, I would love a draw. I would love for us to get at least one point 
out of one of the games. I would love us to get more points out of all the games, but I, I would be content just to get points in these last few games um, or a point. And in the future, I just want to see, I know that no matter what, like the, the, the ownership and the, and the club are dedicated to investing and putting money into this team. I've, I've had people say that no matter what happens to the league in 10 years, there is going to be a women's team in Louisville. Like they are dedicated to this team in the, in the long run. And so, I mean, what I really want to see is players really start to love the club. And I, I'm starting to see this, but I want to see it continue that they really love the club feel dedicated to it and start creating that foundation of passionate players that want to play for this club you know that's very hard to develop you know to create that culture to create that that mentality with a new club and it'll take time but I, I just want to see that continue and I want to I really want to see racing start believe that they can win um I do think that they definitely play harder and they're not playing like I think they think they're going to lose. Like Sky Blue two years ago when they only won one game in the whole season, they would play like they were they were going to lose. They had no energy or, or much belief in themselves. And Houston has played like that at times. I don't want racing to ever get there. Even if they don't win games, I want them to play. And even if they get deflated, if they start losing badly, I still want them to to go into games believing that they could spoil anything and win any game. I know that's not very exciting <laughs> uh, forecasts, but I mean, I'm totally in this for the long run. I know it's going to take two, three years for them to really be a contender minus like I mean, something like amazing happening that I'm not expecting, like incredible signings or the team just suddenly clicking faster than anybody expected. Well, I think also racing Louisville has great players. Like Savannah McCaskill, the other girl that came, Yuki. Yuki. So I always forget players' names. Oh, that's fine. So, like, those are two great players. You have, y'all have young talent on there, and they just need to get more experience. And then that's when I think we'll probably see them get into the playoffs, get get a championship or eventually I mean I I agree I like the fact that we have young players and I want to see I I articulated this horrible but you just like said it so much better than than I was I want to see those young players be Louisville players like I want to have racing players like the Thorns in Chicago have players that are like you think of Chicago you think of them you think of the thorns you think of them you think of orlando you think of them i want racing to have these young players that started here or at least like can't work close to starting here and really take the club and everything into themselves and learn to play together and stay together and become like a real foundation yeah and then last question what advice do you have a young person that wants to be a writer for like racing Louisville, just like you're doing? Just put yourself out there. Um, Don't obsess over what you're writing or what you're doing. Um, Even if you don't, don't write stuff you don't like, but like 
you're not going to write perfect things. Like I've definitely published articles and I'm like, no, this could be better. I can't think of like a perfect way to end this or I could have phrased this better. You just need to write and, and be forgiving of yourself. Um, and like I said earlier, you need to write what you want to hear. You need to write what you want to read. You need to you know, podcast what you want to listen to. And that's the only way that you're going to really love what you're doing because it does take a lot of time. I, some people blog and write, write shorter entries that probably only take them like an hour or so. Some of the articles that I write take me hours and hours because I am a perfectionist. But, you know, the teams tend to be very, very open about wanting to work with their community. I mean, after all, we essentially provide free PR for them. So reach out to the communications or media representative for your team. Talk, ask them about what you need to do to get credentials because credentials make all the difference in the world. And if you get them, they will allow you to like call into the Zoom conferences they have before and after games. That's where you will get most of your quotes. You'll get access to like game photos that are provided to the team that you can put in your articles. Um, I think I'll do that with yeah, Chicago. De- definitely do that. Absolutely do that. And um, you know, that's that's how you get a lot of the content. But even if you don't, like even if if you just want to do a podcast or if you just want to do, I don't know, write a blog about like player ratings. Like we just watched this game, how well I'm going to rank everybody with how they did or like talk about like what could have gone better. That's also great. You know, don't expect fans to come pouring in, you know, right away. It might take a while to build a following I, I still hardly have a following compared to a lot of people some of my articles are read by 40 people to 100 people some of them are read by 3,000 you know sometimes and you never know when you're going to hit gold and people are going to be really interested so you just be patient as long as you're writing for you and what you want or as long as you're podcasting for you and what you want then you're making an impact. You're amplifying the voices of the players, of your club, of their team, and and you're having an impact. And it, it's important work. You know, I'm not just saying that because I do it, but you know, if we we all love this league. We all love the players. We all love our teams, or else we wouldn't be doing this. And it does feel special to have a role in in connecting with people and to to you know. Um, to support your club in this way versus just being you know like a fan that attends games or watches them well that's very great advice thank <laughs> you for coming on to the all women sports becky thank you podcast. so much for having me and i hope these next three games for racing louisville will will go smoother and they can be happy with their performance all season since they're excelling more than I think we would we thought they would yeah is even if they're in ninth place I saw so many people saying oh they're not even going to win a single game they're they're going to be such a disaster because we don't have any superstars we have a lot of rookies and I think that we've really surprised everybody and I'm I'm proud of the team and I do believe that they're proud of themselves they wish things could be better but I do think that um just trust the process trust the process the process exactly well thank you so much becky thank you have a great night thank you